This is Oregon Lives, and I'm Samantha Swindler. And I am Tom Hallman. And we're doing this remotely, so this is weird. Samantha and I are doing this remotely with the most up-to-date technology available. And yet our podcast today is about something that harkens back to another era. And in these times when we are isolated, when things seem so uncertain, the permanence of our story really should matter to the listeners. So so who are we going to meet in this week's episode? We are going to meet women who are members of Westminster Presbyterian Church. That's over in inner Northeast Portland. And the church opened in 1914, and they had church pew covers made from heavy brown fabric. And by 1980, those cushions were worn out and faded. And the church members, specifically four women, decided to replace every cushion with intricate handmade needlepoint cushions. Now, I'm not a seamstress, and so when I went over there, I thought, well, I'm going to see some nice covered pew cushions, and I was taken by the beauty of the handwork and the message in the quilts and the care that these four women put into this. It's really a remarkable thing. And many of the stories Samantha and I talk about, you can't go visit. But you can go into this church when the virus passes and we're no longer socially isolating and look at these pews and you will be taken, uh, I think, in the same way I was, by the beauty and care of it. It's a very specific Portland story. How did you find out about this story? Do you remember? I found out about it because I heard from a reader who said, these women are making these church pew quilts. And in a sense, that about as far away as a Tom Hallman story as you can get. But I thought, well, I'll go look at them. And I really liked the women, and I liked uh, what they were doing, and I liked the community effort. Although it started with four women, it ultimately involved more than 150 people, including some men and some kids, ranging from 12 to 92. And for 30 years, just think about that, when everything is hurry up, rush, 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 for 30 years, these people worked on these quilts. And when daughters and granddaughters took over, when some of the older women died or when they had bad eyesight and they couldn't do it, and it was really akin to what we would look back to a hundred years ago as an old-fashioned barn raising, where the, the, the individual did the work, but the group effort was the purpose. It wasn't about ego. It was about serving a greater purpose. So I went to the church to do a video for your story. I think you went separately. You went first. Um, I talked with Judy Weiss and Pat Allen. I'm Judy Weiss. I'm a member here of Westminster Church. My name is Pat Allen, and I'm one of the original four people who started this project. We, we got the idea in the late 80s. Specifically, Judy, who was... Although she lives in Portland, 
she spends time each year in England in this little small town. And when she was there, she went to the church and noticed these kneelers that parishioners were using. And each kneeler featured a needlepoint cushion depicting not only the church's history, but secular subjects from the town, a pub or a landmark or a building. And so she decided when she came back, that would be great for Westminster to do. And it's one of those kind of projects where we've all been there when we're on vacation or something. We say, you know, when I get back to Portland, I'm going to do X. Well, this was like, multiply that by a thousand times because (laughs) it had to be, it, it was a combination of art and science. This is a very meticulous thing in the fact that none of our pews are exactly the same size. <laughs> so they had to, to plan how big each cushion should be, and then they had to all be sewn together. I understood how big the project was, how complicated it would be. We probably wouldn't have started. I mean, we were innocent in that, and that was useful. She stuck with it. And I think, again, in this day and age, that stick with it attitude is is something to really admire. And that's what I came away with from this story. Until you see them, I think it's kind of hard to understand how much work goes into this. Needlepoint is such an intricate and slow and meticulous process. You know, like if you're quilting, right, you've got patches of fabric and you're just sort of like working on the edge. Not to discount quilting, it's very difficult, but but the way that they did these seats, it is entirely covered in hand stitches. It's beautiful. It's like building a jigsaw puzzle from scratch, then scrambling all the pieces and putting them back together again. I would have zero patience to do this. I, I, I would have done one line of stitches and said, that's enough. I'm going to go buy a pillowcase and put a cushion under it. Their ability to do this and see the big picture is really remarkable. And the yarn uh, came from France, and they raised money from the church to to buy all this yarn. So it was all the same quality and the same uh Feel so when you when you look at it, you're 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 looking at a piece of artwork, which is funny because then you sit down and you cover it up. <laughs> what were some of the images that are on these cushions for Portland people, newcomers or old timers? It's a really great visual history of our city. Mm-hmm. So we tried to we tried to include Portland the neighborhood, other things besides religious pictures. There are actually, I think, more other pictures. They have Union Station, Mount Hood, and one pew, which really speaks to me as a Portland kid, is dedicated to Beverly Cleary. She's the author who wrote all the Henry Huggins books and Ramona and she sold millions of copies. Ah, oh, yes. She and lived in the neighborhood. She knew this church. She belonged, actually. And Cleary, who grew up in Portland, attended Sunday school at this church. And the writer used Northeast Portland in 14 of her, her books. And one of my favorite parts uh, in one of those books that I discovered had a connection to this church is when Ramona was playing a sheep in a Christmas pageant in what was described as 
a big stone church. That that was Westminster. So Cleary's uh-huh. P- Cleary's pew features Ramona in school and the uh, pageant and playing in a puddle. And on another pew is one of her characters, Henry Huggins, and his dog. And what I like about it, Henry Huggins delivered the old Oregon Journal, which was the afternoon paper here in Portland. And I did the same delivery as a kid. (laughs) I never read any of these books, so I feel uh, like I have nothing to add in this, but that's really sweet. It's it's, (laughs) your assignment is to read some of these because... What and and the, I'm sure the audience will know about these books. They don't speak down to kids. They tell the stories of life from the perspective of these kids and their characters. And even when I read them as a kid, I knew they were based in Portland. They have like Clickitat Street and all these streets. But it was only as an adult that I realized how connected these these books are to Portland. And here in this church where Beverly Cleary attended, you can sit in her pew. And I think Beverly Cleary just turned 104 years old, so happy birthday to her. She's almost as old as the church itself. Yes, and what's remarkable, when you when I talk to these women who made these, these cushions are expected to last more than 100 years. So everybody that's made one of these will be gone. And yet, 100 years from now, somebody will come in and sit on a quilt that was made by a church member. And they've cataloged all these for future reference to know that Florence made the quilt in Pew 8, Image 10. So mm-hmm. it's not just, it's a, it's a historical reference for the church and the people who make the church what it is. And each little section, you know, so that, so each pew is, and th- these are huge. I guess we should talk about like how big this church is. I think there are 85 really long, huge church pews in just the main sanctuary. And then there's the upper balcony that's got another, what, 20, 30 pews? Yes. And for, for listeners, imagine your child brings home a homework project that says there are 80 pews and each pew is different, and each pew must have 10 images. How many inches apart is each image? It, it, it's math. And the way they did this uh, was to really plot it out. And there are some religious symbols in the, in the quilts, and each image is, is, is so well done, they blend in to make a wonderful picture. And what I found is that when I was at the church, I walked around when no one's in attendance and you can just meander and go, oh my gosh, there's Union Station or there's Mount Hood or there's Beverly Cleary's pew. And you come away with a true meaning of what I think spirituality really is. It It's in a church, but these pews and quilts are a reminder that Spirituality comes from humanity, and in this crazy time we're at now where we are isolated, to know that that people made these quilts, and they didn't just go buy them off of some 
machine-made thing. They're handmade, and that's a lost art. And so it's a very beautiful and very quiet and very meaningful story that is totally rooted in Northeast Portland. And where else can you see like this big, beautiful piece of artwork and then sit on it? There's not a lot of places where you can go and sit on the art. Yeah, and I... uh, (laughs) <laughs> I, I have to read a little, I'm going to read the opening of my story because I added a little bit of humor to this. I said, when it comes time to remember congregants who played a special role in the history of any church, those in the sanctuary instinctively gaze skyward. In one Northeast Portland church, however, members look down. Uh, no, not that far down, just to the pews. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. I thought it was such a neat story, not only because the artwork that they created was so unique and beautiful, but that, as you mentioned, this idea of everybody doing a small part of a larger piece of a project that they knew they probably would not live to see get finished. It's kind of a, it's kind of biblical in that sense, right? Very much Building so. the pyramids or something. And if you think about the things that last... The, the great works of art, whether they're in a church pew or a house that's being built or a sculpture or a piece of music, the things that have a long-lasting impact begin with a simple idea. I want to do something, not just for myself, but for other people. And that's why this simple story, in a sense— has a lot of power. And it's also a reminder that in our communities, these kind of things are happening all the time. And what you and I do, Samantha, is we look for these kind of stories. None of these women are superstars. They're not athletes. They're just going about their lives and in their daily effort, do something for the rest of us. And I would invite anybody to go over to the church and you will be taken by the spirit of these women and the beauty of what they created and the actual building itself. They do offer tours, not right now, but they do offer tours. So we talked about the four women who originally started this. Um, I went to the church and I met with Pat Allen and Judy Weiss, but I also met with Gwen Harper. Um, Gwen had recently broken her hip. And this was, again, more than a year ago that we first reported on this. So I went to the rehabilitation home where she was staying at that time and talked to her. And she was in her 90s and had been working on this since the 1980s. And I think she had hoped to see the entire project finished When we were getting ready to record this podcast, I reached out again to Pat just to let her know and to kind of check in and see how things were going. Because when we left them, um, it was February of 2019, and they were kind of hoping, right, that the last few pews would get finished in that year. Um, And at the height of this project, you know, as you mentioned, they had 150 different people working on this. Today, a lot of those people have passed away or moved on. Um, 
there's only a handful of women who are still working to complete the last few pews. So the progress has slowed. So they had hoped to finish it by uh, the end of 2019. It didn't quite happen. Um, I reached out to Pat this week. Um, She told me, yes, the church is closed right now. We're all in quarantine working on our stitching because it leaves them a lot more time to stitch. Um, but she told me that, unfortunately, Gwen had passed away uh, last fall. So she didn't get to see the whole thing completed, but I don't know. I, I think that's a uh, it's symbolic for, for what life is. Uh, somebody raises a child, and they might die before that child has their own child. And it's a, it's 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 what life is. Life is a cycle. You start something, you somebody else takes it over, and in each of those quilts, the spirit of those people is is there. What I really liked about it too in this in this era when everybody wants to be a boss, there was no boss. Everybody was welcome to participate and find a role. So. Two church members created the geometric and pictorial designs. Two experimented with the shading. They had teachers teach weekly classes in the morning and evening for people who wanted to learn how to do this. One woman ordered all the yarn, cut it, and stored it. Two women coordinated and assigned each canvas and measured to make sure it fit. And one woman who couldn't master needlepoint, and and that would be me, uh, kept all the records, which were later used to create a commemorative book for the church. And and this is also a great example of people who think, well, I can't contribute because I'm not good enough or I'm not talented enough. In a big group project, the beauty comes from everybody has a skill they can bring to it. And the woman who kept the books played just as a bigger role as the woman who came up with this idea, and they would all acknowledge that. This was not any one person's project with a plaque, and the church has said, thank you to so-and-so for doing this. And I think that's really what makes this powerful. And yeah, and it's still going on. It's not a finished story. They did dedicate the main sanctuary, uh, where the, the main 85 pews are, about 15 years ago, but they're still working on the project it's not quite finished. I think there's something kind of beautiful in that too. Why why were you drawn to this story? I was drawn to this story because in my heart, and I think in the hearts of a lot of people, and this is really going to date me, we all want to have a little bit of Mayberry, the old Andy Griffith show, where we have Sunday dinners and there's people singing in the church choir and Andy and Barney are having a a soda pop on the front porch. And we long for that. That's why that show, we still watch it. And when I heard about this, I found a little, little bit of Mayberry in Portland, Oregon. I'm drawn to those stories. And I think people are drawn to stories, the, the kind that you and I seek out that are not just factual about news because two weeks from now, I mean, not, not in this time, but in a normal time, The news will be forgotten in two weeks. Stories live on forever. Somebody's going to hear this podcast. Somebody's going to walk over to that church. Somebody's going to go tour it. Somebody will sit in that pew 
and feel the spirit of those women and men, some who are no longer with us. And again, none of them are celebrities. And that story will linger with these people far after the news of the day has passed. And that's why this is powerful. I guess why we want to finish it is, is because, you know, it, we expected it to go on for way after we were gone. That's right. But to think that we can actually accomplish this, it's, it's exciting for everyone who has participated. It is. We've had and, a wonderful And time. there are not many things that you can leave as a lasting legacy. That are actually that things is. you can touch and hold. The church is, of course, more than that, and we understand that. But people that did this, I think, were swept up a bit in the idea of something I make here will be here for 100 plus scores of years later. Who knows how long they will last? As Samantha and I have launched this project, we really want to involve listeners. So if you have an idea for a story, and both Samantha and I would agree, no story is too small. Contact us. My best stories, after nearly 40 years in the business, come from readers. They say, I, I met this person. I've heard about this. And I just got a great story the other day. Someone said, I know this isn't probably a front page story. Well, it's going to be a front page story. So readers, you are our partners. And we count on you to not only help us find stories, but to support the Oregonian, Oregon Live, and these podcasts, because we are in this together. In a real way, we are building in our community, through this effort, our own quilt for our own pew in this city we call home. That's beautiful. As our podcast, thank you for listening to Oregon Lives. If you like our podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe. You can also give us a rating or review. That helps other people find this podcast as well. 